Welcome back to the Exceptional Sales Leader Podcast. Darren Mitchell here with another pre-interview preamble. In today's episode, I had the pleasure of speaking with Dr. Eric Recker, a dentist, coach, speaker, author, and recovering triathlete all the way from Iowa in the US. Eric is the owner and the CEO of Win The Now. We talk a lot about what the Win The Now concept is. We talk about the background that Eric has and some of the lessons that he had uh, learnt through being bullied at school climbing mountains. We talk a little bit about triathlons as well, but I think there's a lot in here, whether you are a budding sales leader, whether you're an existing sales leader, or whether you're just a person who's looking to extract a maximum potential out of what you are capable of, there's lots and lots of gold in this particular episode. So uh, if you're interested in knowing a little bit more about Dr. Eric Recker, please check out the show notes uh, and his book, The uh, false sense of urgency, win the now, is available on his website, but also available on Amazon. So it was a fantastic conversation. I thoroughly enjoy the conversation, and I trust you enjoy listening into the conversation as much as I did having it. So without further ado, let's get straight into the interview. Welcome to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast with Darren Mitchell. If you're a sales letter looking to take your leadership to a whole new level, then this is the podcast for you. We'll be exploring tips, techniques, and strategies to help you take your leadership to the exceptional level and allow you to enjoy more money, more meaning, and better sales results. Welcome back to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast on a, well, it's a it's a Monday where I'm from, but uh, a very, very warm welcome to Dr. I've got to say Dr. Eric Recker, all the way from Iowa in the United States. Welcome, my friend. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. It's uh, and we're just talking before the before we press record. It's Monday morning here in Melbourne, and it is about six p.m. in Iowa on a Sunday evening where you are. <laughs> yeah, you know, we joked. Uh, you asked me if this is when I commonly like to do podcasts, and I had some friends ask me that today too. And I said, "Oh yeah, all the time. Only when I'm doing them with people who are doing them on Monday morning. So it's <laughs> a perfect fit." It is, but isn't it great that you got technology? And if I reckon, if there was one thing that, and we'll probably talk about COVID and all that sort of stuff, but from my perspective, COVID has some benefits in that we've we've now got access to technology like Zoom, which has improved over the last three years, to the point where we can jump on a Zoom call. Internet is pretty stable, and we can have a face to face conversation with somebody on the other side of the world. Um, it's phenomenal. Yeah, I mean, it, this really is a miracle that we can have this clear of a picture. We can have a conversation face to face. You know, it wasn't that long ago that it was just a phone call. Mm. And, you know, when when you can see somebody and their facial expressions and you can actually engage with them, it's it's a game changer. I love it. It is. Absolutely. Now, uh, Dr. Eric, you are a, do you like to be referred to Dr. Eric or Eric had, has the. Um... Eric is great. Eric oh. is great. Doctor is great. I do, but I do a lot of things. So, <laughs> all right. So, you've run a dentist practice for a number of years. You're also a coach, a speaker, um, an author, because there is a book just over your right shoulder. So, for those of you who'll be looking on YouTube, there is a book there called Win the Now, which we'll talk about today. Uh, and it also, interestingly, a recovering triathlete. I'll be interested in delving into that. What does that? What does that mean? Well, a recovering triathlete. Yeah, so triathlon can be kind of an addictive sport. 
and I uh, I drank the Kool-Aid, so to speak. And I did, I, I think I've done about 25 triathlons altogether. Wow. Started doing that in 2006, 2007, somewhere in that time frame. Uh, I have a long history of uh, kind of overreaching things. So I get excited about something and then I hit it like crazy. And then I get a little bit burnt out and I step away. So uh, it's been quite a while since I've done a triathlon. But I guess once you're there, you're you, once you've uh, sort of become addicted to that, um, you just say that you're recovering. So uh, I still I, I get the bug every once in a while to do one. And then I, uh, I have to go back and remember how much time commitment there was in that. And in this chapter of life, it just it doesn't make a lot of sense. Well, when you think about, and when you're talking about triathlons, are these the full triathlons? So started off with the sprint distance, the, the short ones, and then all the way up to the Ironman distance. Yeah. And I I was so, I was so hooked on it that as soon as I crossed the finish line, there's even a half Ironman that I told my wife, I crossed the finish line. I said, don't you ever let me do this again. And don't ever let me do anything longer than this. And uh, two weeks later, I signed up for an Ironman. Um, and in fact, <laughs> when I crossed the finish line at the uh, after the Ironman, I felt like there had to be something even more. So for a brief time, I actually explored the option of a double Ironman. Um, and I'm pretty happy I hit the pause button on that one because there are some crazy folks out there. Um, but I didn't need to be that. A double, it's like a double Ironman, like in the same on the in the same event. Yeah, yeah. So there's different ways that they do them, but typically it's the double swim, the double bike, and then uh, double run. So you're running a double marathon at the end after doing everything else. So wow. Uh, so is that a um like you double the distance of each discipline, or they come back and you do three disciplines and then come back and repeat the same again? Yeah, you double the distance. Of wow. Each. And some of them, I. I I, I didn't get very far in my exploration because when I was training for Ironman, it's up to 24 hours of training in a week. Yeah. I was I was so uh, stretched thin when I was doing that, that even five more minutes wasn't going to happen. So that's really the training is what what got me to say, OK, slow down. Yeah, you're overstepping a little bit. Wow. So there must be something in there. I won't, I won't talk about things like addictive personality, but there's obviously some drive there that um, has some applicability for what you do now, um, which I'd love to delve into. But before we jump into that, because there's a few topics I'd love to talk about, one being win the now, um, talk a little bit about burnout, but maybe also what you learned across across your career and journey. Um, for those of listening, though, Eric, love to know a little bit about, um, well, the Reader's Digest version of Eric's story and uh, what has what has led you to do what you do today as the CEO and founder of Win the Now? Yeah, so we can go way back. Uh, my my youngest memories were laying in bed when I was probably five, six, seven years old on Monday mornings at uh, it'd be between four and five a.m. staring at my clock and praying that my mom wouldn't wake me up to go to school. Uh, because I was bullied. I was bullied at school, okay. so uh, school was uh, was kind of a dangerous place for me. Not so. Everybody's got some level of a bullying story at some point, whether they were the bully or they did the bullying. I was on the receiving end uh, for a lot of elementary school and some of middle school, and 
one of the things that stuck out to me most was how I wouldn't be allowed to play uh, kickball at our uh, on the playground at recess time. So recess kickball in the 80s in Iowa uh, was life. And I was told that I wasn't good enough to play. And I was told repeatedly that I wasn't good enough. And I remember in either second or third grade standing on the sidelines of that field and making a pact with myself that I was going to be so darn good at everything that I did that no one would ever not pick me. So a lot of my life has been living up to that pact that I made with myself. I started running and a 5K wasn't good enough. Uh, a marathon wasn't good enough. So I started in triathlon, went all the way through the Ironman distance. None of that was ever good enough. Mountain climbing, um, 250 mile bike rides, all of these different things that we did that that just never were good enough. And I finally, uh, in 2017, I was climbing a mountain in Colorado and I was in ridiculously good shape. It was a 14,000 foot peak and I got to the top and I was waiting for the person who was hiking with me and it really hit me. And it said, and the, the words that I got in my head were, if you don't know why you're climbing the mountain, you're not going to find the answer at the top. Yeah. So what I realized is my whole life had been trying to impress people and specifically trying to impress these people, these bullies back in the day who said I wasn't good enough. And I had to show them in everything that I did that I was good enough. And now I finally realized that. And so the rest of my life, what I hope to do is help people on their journey so they don't have to overshoot so far. Uh, with the burnout that I've had, I want to help people shorten their distance to the life that they could live. And I want to help people so that they don't think that they just have to keep climbing the mountain for no reason. Isn't it interesting? Um, I love, thank you for sharing that. And I mean, so much of what we are as adults are shaped by what we experience as children, whether it be in elementary school, whether it be a parent or an older sibling or, or somebody in our sphere of influence pouring into us either in a negative sense or in a positive sense that then shapes who we are as adults. Um, and as you're talking about there, I'm, I'm writing down, there's a metaphor of success there because if we talk about success, and we often talk about the top of the mountain. And if you get to the top of the mountain and you reach the top of the mountain, that is the pinnacle, and you'll therefore be, quote-unquote, successful. What was interesting doing some reading just before we jumped on here is, as you said, if you don't know why you're climbing the mountain, you won't find the answer at the top, which says to me the top of the mountain is not the success. It's the experience you have and the reason why you're doing what you're doing, which is the journey. That is the real reason for why you want to do what you do. So it's a, um, and yet if you look at society, we're all taught the same thing. Set a really big goal, do whatever you can to achieve that goal. And when you achieve that goal, you will therefore be successful. Except, except that you're not, and we all know it. Yeah. Uh, there's always another level. I remember watching a documentary on Netflix about a guy who had climbed uh, all 14, I believe it's 14 of the world's tallest mountains, all above 8,000 meters. And he climbed them all in record time. And then he got done and they asked him, what's next? Right? That's a great question. What's next? Because yeah. he literally had been to the top of every mountain. There mm -hmm. isn't a higher place in the earth he can be. 
Um, and he said, uh, what's next? Bigger, better. I thought, what? what? <laughs> I mean, what's bigger and better than that, man? I mean, there's there's got to be a point that we figure out how can we find fulfillment along the journey to get to the top of the mountain? How can we make great relationships on the way to the top of the mountain? Because there's always going to be another top of the mountain. And it's always going to seem like somebody has done more than us, yeah. has more than us, has achieved more than us. So we got to find a way to find meaning along the way, or else it's going to be pretty hollow and pretty quiet at the top of the mountain. It is. And yet when you look at and you listen to society, and, and I'm guilty of this, you know, having run sales teams for a number of years, you know, you always say there's another level of performance we can get to, right? Because this year's performance is is done. That's in the bank. Next year we start again, but the expectation is you need to do more. So there's always this concept of next, next, next. Um, and at some stage we have to sit down and ask, ask ourselves, why, why are we doing this? Why, and what is, what is, and this is point, point, I guess, to the motivation factor in terms of just asking questions as to why you do what you do. Now, I'm not sure whether you've, you probably have sat down and analyzed the entire thing because of what you do now, but was there a point in your life, whether it be through the triathlons or as you just talked about in 2017, where you sat down and you had this epiphany and said, you know what, it's actually not about the top of the mountain. It's about this process or it's about that and when that happened how did your i guess your whole approach to to life and i guess business and what you do now change yeah so i think this underscores how important it is to have people in your life that have that are further along the journey their journey than you are i yeah. think it's important that we have a mentor or a coach or someone who can walk alongside us and i've been blessed to have a couple of great mentors and the first one, uh, his name was John. And John said to me, uh, I just have one question for you before we begin our time. Uh, who is Eric Recker without the medals, without the accomplishments, without the degrees, without all of this? Who is Eric Recker? Oh, man. It took me a couple months to really wrestle with that question. And the mentor that I'm that I'm currently working with, John passed away several years ago, and I, I'm I'm working with Stan right now. And he talks about life as a journey, and he has really given me great awareness of that concept because we're told life's a marathon, life's a sprint. This part's a sprint. This part's a marathon. Overall, our life is a journey, and mm. if we it more as a journey. I never liked the marathon or the sprint concept because to me, those are both races. Yeah. And I'm a big metrics guy and I'm always thinking about numbers. There aren't as many numbers on a journey. Now I'm, you might think, oh, who's this guy? He doesn't, he doesn't know what sales is like. He doesn't know what it's like to set goals and get pushed and all that. Oh man, I am still highly driven. I set goals for myself, all of that but we got to find ways to enjoy the journey. We have to find some ways to find joy because we are going to push ourselves. But when we're not in that mode, when we're outside of the office, when we have some downtime, what are we doing to find some joy? How are we recharging ourselves in that time so that we can get after it when we're in our job? And you, and you know, interesting. You talking about loving metrics as a dentist and running a dental practice. You've, you've, well, you've got to have metrics. You've got to know whether you're successful, whether that be 
average revenue per patient or number of patients, whatever the case might be, um, you got to have it. But it's it's it as you say, it's the journey. It's it's who you become along the way, and it's a really interesting question that obviously the John, the very wise master mentor, asked you at your core, who are you, right? Because how many times, and just look at LinkedIn as a classic example, go on to LinkedIn and the vast majority of people have who they are in terms of their title or what they do, not um, who they are at their core. And I just wonder how many people live a life of not so much quiet desperation, but they're living according to the expectations of others or what society thinks they should be doing. Um, and they kind of justify a level of success or not that, yep, I'm here, I can't do much about it, but I don't know. Are they are they living lives of quiet desperation at night time when they sit down and they really think about, well, actually, who am I? Everybody else sees me as a coach, as a mentor, or whatever the case might be, but actually, who am I? Yeah, that, I feel like most people are living a, a rather unexamined life. Mm. Um, you ask them what they do with discretionary time, they might not even be able to tell you. Mm. Uh, a lot of people uh, just work. It's it's kind of like uh, there was a movie called Groundhog Day that we watched. Uh, so I don't know if you've heard of that one or seen yeah, that one. Yeah, we've watched it many times. Yeah, so he wakes up, same thing happens, um, Just and we're in that rut. Now, he tries to break out of the rut and make things different, but I don't know that most of us do. You wake up with, uh, you know, the, the terror of Monday morning, Somehow you survive till Friday, coast in on fumes, try to do something to turn the tide on the weekend, and then you're right back at it. Just yeah. go over and over and over. But what is it that brings you joy? What is it? What are some of the things that um, that that you can do? One one of the huge things that's made a big difference in my life is when I was really burned out. I needed to figure out what it was that I actually liked about my job. Because it wasn't all bad. It was just all of it together was too much. Yeah. And I found out that what I really liked about my job was the relationships. Mm -hmm. so as a dentist, I, I've been a dentist for 20 years. I have some of the same patients now. Um, they were three years old when I started seeing them. And they're 22, 23, 24 years old right now. They've graduated. I've seen them all the way through. So I get to have great conversations with these people. I get to celebrate the things that have gone on in their life. I get to mourn with them when bad things have happened yeah. in their life. And so I just made sure that I found out what I liked about my job. And then I did as much of that as I possibly could. So if you're in sales and you really like the relationship portion of it, find a way to lean into the relationship portion of it. If you really like the numbers portion of it, lean into that part. If yeah. you like the research part, lean into that part. Make sure you do what you need to do, but find a way to really lean into that part of your job that you love, and it makes it seem less like Groundhog Day. It is. It is such a um, such a sage piece of advice because uh, we I reckon most of us go through life on a surface level, and we think we know why we do what we do, but when you actually sit down and actually ask that question, um, most people. And and if you get a response which is very surface level and the and you challenge that, it's like, oh, actually, and it makes you think, well, is it the relationship? Is it is it something deeper? I often say to leaders, you know, would you do what you do if you weren't getting paid for it? And it's a ridiculous statement when you think about it, because we all have we all have, you know, bills to pay and all that sort of stuff, but it points to 
trying to work out at your core, why did you choose this particular role in this particular industry? And if you point and work that out and you could do it for nothing, it's no longer a chore, which means you should be able to go through any pain that you should go through in order to get to the other side. The other thing I say to people is, would you do it at three o'clock in the morning if you woke up and you had an idea, would you get up and do something about it? Um, and if they say absolutely not, then maybe it's not your true calling. Maybe it's not, but it's worth something. It's something worth thinking about. I would have thought. Yeah, that's a wonderful point that you brought up because that would be kind of the difference between the the two different hats that I wear: the hat that I wear of being a dentist, and then the hat that I wear of being a, a speaker and a coach and a yeah. workshop facilitator. I do wake up in the night with ideas, uh, great ideas for for that portion of my business. Yeah. And, oh man, I have uh, I have a, a flashlight in my uh, drawer, in my nightstand drawer. I can pull that out, turn it on real quick, jot a quick note down, and then it's out of my head. I got the note, and then I'm ready to look at it again in the morning. Nice, nice. Yeah. So. Um... You mentioned two hats, and I know you've been a dentist for 20-odd years. Uh, you're a coach, author, speaker, and as we've talked about, recovering triathlete. I still find that just, that's hilarious. Um, I love to know, Eric, what what was it? Was there something that happened or was it just was it a cumulative buildup of stuff that, I guess, created an inflection point which said, okay, now it's time to maybe diversify or go into the coaching and the speaking? And, and I'd love to know what what created the win the now sort of concept was it a was it a, one of those ideas at three o'clock in the morning or was it a slow slow burn over time love love to hear a little bit about that yeah so um i went through um so somebody who made a pact with themselves when they were really young that they're going to be the best that they could ever be at everything that's a perfect recipe for burnout yeah and I faced it first uh, when I was doing triathlon, Ironman triathlon training, uh, faced it two other times. The second time that I faced it, it was really ramping up right before COVID. My family was supposed to take a trip to Spain uh, over spring break. That would have been right when uh, when COVID happened. So mm-hmm. we had this amazing trip. We were going to be staying right on the Mediterranean. We were going to take wow. a day. Morocco. We had all this stuff scheduled. It was going to be amazing. My son was graduating from college, so I could kind of feel, graduating from high school, sorry. So I could feel that time was ticking away and I put a lot of pressure on this trip and then it was gone. And so COVID hit, we had to close our dental practice. Uh, It was closed for eight weeks and it was, it was a really strange time. My, My book is called The False Sense of Urgency. Mm-hmm. in the now and the false sense of urgency was something that I felt was plaguing me at the beginning of COVID I just there was all this urgency that I needed to watch uh all these webinars about things about COVID about infection control about opening our offices back up about retaining employees about PPP loans and all these different financial things that were going on so I knew that I needed, and, and the best way to describe the false sense of urgency is it's like a background app that runs in the back of your mind that will not let you sit still, that will not let you have rest. It says there's always more to do, that we need to be productive. There's got to be something to show for this time. So I knew I needed to do something to quiet that sense of urgency. 
So I committed to 30 minutes of quiet each day while my office was closed. Said, when my office opens back up, we're going to be going 100 miles an hour. But until it is, I am going to be quiet and try to still my mind. Mm-hmm. I failed miserably the first day. I probably looked at my watch 45 seconds into that half hour, but I got through it. Um, and I, I tried to think um, about how, how to go forward with this. And uh, talking to my practice management consultant, I said, Matt, I just feel like the false sense of urgency is tearing me apart. And he goes, what'd you say? I said, well, false sense of urgency. He goes, you need to write a book on that. So I hung up the phone, <laughs> hung up the phone with him, started, started writing, had no idea about when the now at that point, um, just started writing about the the urgency. And then the when the now came to me uh, as an antidote to the false sense of urgency, because when we have the false sense of urgency, we're either stuck in the past or we're worried about the future. Mm. And we miss out on the present, which is the moment right in front of us. Mm. So what when the now says is that the most important moment is what we have right in front of us. And then what does a win look like in that moment? So for us right now, for this hour, a win looks like a great conversation. A win looks like adding value for the listeners. A win looks like maybe somebody's out there that that really needs a little nugget to pull them forward. They're really struggling. So that's what a win could look like. That's a great one because that'd be a win for us and a win for that person that's this. Because for me, a day is too much to measure. I see a lot of patients in a day. And if I I used to come home to my wife and say, uh, she'd say, how was your day? And I'd say, well, this happened or that happened. That wasn't my whole day. That was one thing that happened. So when the now is, okay, I break my day into 15 minute chunks because that's kind of how I'm scheduled. Some patients I use four 15 minute chunks, some at one, some are two, just however it works out. But what does a win look like in those 15 minute chunks? Great conversation with a patient. Maybe we help somebody have a dental procedure without as much anxiety. Uh, lots of different things can happen. But we might, there might be a loss. Uh, we might struggle with uh, anesthesia because it's not always uh, with numbing somebody up because it's not always exact. Mm-hmm. Uh, we may struggle with somebody who just came in uh, and they they weren't feeling well enough to do the procedure. Um, so that might be a loss. But what I do when something like that happens, I just write it down on a piece of paper and then I keep going because there's another now right in front of me. And if we get a couple of great nows right in a row, then we have a win streak. Mm-hmm. And then I go back and look at those losses for the day and I think, okay, what can I learn from those things? And once I've decided what I can learn from those things, those losses become wins. So throughout the day, uh, then I come home and my wife will say, how was your day? And I'm much less likely to say, well, this happened. I'll say, you know, we grabbed a bunch of great wins today. I had some great conversations, a couple setbacks, but overall it was a good day. So it's a totally different lens to look at your day and something that everyone can incorporate because everybody has different nows during the day. Absolutely. I love that. I love the way you've articulated that because as you were talking, it reminded me of one of my earliest mentors who you always used to talk about the fact that 
Um, tomorrow will never come because there's always a never under, under never ending unfolding tomorrow. <laughs> You'll never arrive. And uh, don't don't sweat the past because it's gone. All you've got is this particular moment right now. So um, the question I wanted to ask you though with that is is you mentioned you started off by having that thirty minute uh, reflection time and just thinking time free of distractions, and you're looking at your watch every forty five seconds and would have been pretty hard to do in the first instance because it's probably unfamiliar. Um, what did you learn through that process that you can now look back on and say, you know what, that that has helped me to insert the blank here, build better relationships, maybe build a better practice, um, expand and diversify what value I'm bringing to society, et cetera, et cetera. Um, when people ask you now about, about this and and the importance of it. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it's almost like I can I can almost sense a bit of evangelism evangelism in terms of, hey guys, realize that all we've got is this particular moment. So be present. Yeah. 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 I mean you nailed it. Uh I, I learned so much from that quiet. Uh one of the interesting things is that it wasn't that long ago in history that it was pretty easy for our brains to have some idle time. It really was. And we were designed for our brains to have some idle time. We don't have to have any idle time now if we don't want to. There are so many distractions. Uh, our phones are constant distractions if we will let them be. Yeah. So the beauty of that 30 minutes is that it helped every aspect of my life. It helped my brain to settle down a little bit. And in that, just that little bit of time settling down, I was better in my relationships. I was better in my gratitude. Uh, I was better at journaling. Uh, I was better. I wasn't as reactive with people. Uh, I was more grounded. I mean, there there were, I can't see, I, I honestly can't think of any drawbacks for doing that. And uh, I don't. It's rare that I get 30 minutes of time uh, that is on my uh, priority list for early 2024 to time block that into my week because I really, really miss it. Uh, I, I think and, and 30 minutes isn't the right amount for anybody. Most people look at me and they're like, you got to be kidding me. Well, try five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> It's it's interesting you say that because one of the um one of the things I do a lot is I work with a lot of um I do a lot, I do a lot of leadership programs so one of the one of the key things I I talk to leaders about is is just that and you mentioned it before where you um schedule your time in fifteen minute increments and it's when you think about this um it almost removes the excuses that leaders in particular will throw at you. To say, oh, you just don't, you don't understand how busy I am, and or how important I am. I've got to be doing all this stuff. I don't have time to sit down and think. What are you talking about? And I and I say to them, well, if you think about how many working hours you have available to you in a day, let's just say most people work ten hours a day. There's forty fifth minute increments that you can um, allocate to any activity. You work five days a week. I don't know sometimes people might work longer, but if you take just take five days a week, multiply by 40 15-minute increments, you now have 200 15-minute increments available to you each week. Now, all I'm asking you to do is give yourself the gift, but more importantly, give your team the gift of two 
15 minute increments per week so you can sit, reflect, and as you just talked about, remove yourself from any distractions. Now, how many of those, how many 15 minute increments will you still have left after 200 if you take two away? And you're telling me you don't have time? Please. <laughs> no, all that's really saying is that it's not a priority for you. That's it. Uh, it's it's fine. I mean, okay, then if you don't have time, then I, I would humbly say you don't need to show it to me, but spend a little time looking at your screen time, specifically yeah. what apps you spend time on. You probably had plenty of time to look at the news. Mm. You probably had plenty of time to look at sports, uh, social media, whatever it is. Um, we're just giving our body what it is craving, and yeah. that is that is quiet. I mean, it used to be when we would drive and we would stop at a stoplight, we would just wait for the stoplight to turn. That's yeah. it. We just we'd maybe look around, see another car, see somebody walking, see observe something. Uh, but now it's boy, the phone's right out, and we we uh, instead of giving our brain that idle time. We speed it back up. We scroll, 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 and and it, it's it's killing us. Yeah, it really. Is. And so with with that, because I'd love to delve into what you do now as well as apart from doing your uh, working your dental practice, I'll be really interested to know through the I guess the experience you've had and discovering the um, the win the now and and thinking about the false sense of urgency. How did that deal help you deal with? burnout and if you look back on i guess your life and your career um because often you can't draw the dots until you look backwards you can't necessarily look forwards um do you look back with any regret or you're saying what everything that's happened to me is multiple cumulative moments of now that included things like being bullied when i was younger that sort of formed who i was and all the all the challenges that i've had the the point where i've got to burnout has that now given you, I guess, one of a medicine, the meaning of life that you can now go and pay it forward? So how how has that helped you? Because you have spoken about burnout and how challenging that can be for people. Because I know there'll be people listening to this right now who may not want to admit it, but they do have symptoms of burnout. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the science is pretty clear uh, that we struggle with burnout at least 70% of people have struggled at some point with burnout. And I think there are different types of people uh, that struggle. The people who never struggle with burnout um, are people who are content to sit on the couch. They're not high achievers. They're not going to, they're not reaching as high as most of the people who are listening to a sales leader podcast. So speaking to, to this audience, so it's, I would say there's two groups of people uh, in this audience. And one of those is people who have or are struggling with burnout. And the other group is people who are lying to themselves because we've all had at least some symptoms of burnout. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd love to talk to somebody who never has. Um, that'd be amazing. Um, but I think we all have had some. So going back to regret, is there anything that I regret on my journey? And and I would say no. Um, I don't regret not sleeping well when I was younger. I don't regret fearing Mondays or the bullying or 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 any of that because it all had to work together to be able to teach the lessons that I know now so that I can help other people. And I had to get to the point of 
I was a month away from finalizing details to sell my dental practice and walk away. Um, I was that close. And then uh, my associate dentist who worked for me, who was going to buy the practice from me, uh, was in a horrific car accident. And so uh, not only uh, he he survived, but um, we we did not go through with the deal. And I went from, you know, there were three of us in the practice. It was very much a three dentist practice. Um, all of a sudden, not only did I not get to sell my practice, but I also, the two of us had to become basically be three dentists until we could find somebody else yeah. to work with. So it'd be easy to say I regretted that time. Um, but three months after that, I, I put an ad out basically waving the, the SOS flag, like send somebody, anybody, I need some help. And I now have a, a partner in my dental practice. So I have sold him half of the practice. We're 50, 50 partners. Um, he's a burn the ships kind of guy. He was, if he was going to step away from his opportunity that he was currently in, he's like, I got to be 50, 50 with you. So he's 50, 50 with me. Um, and now, and he's younger in his career than I am. So I told him if this is going to happen, then I am going to start seeing patients three days a week. So I, I see patients in my practice Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, yep. and Thursday and Friday, and oftentimes it bleeds into Saturday or maybe Sunday night. Uh, I work on everything else. So work on my speaking, uh, workshops, coaching, writing. Uh, so, you know, I, I just have this message that I feel like it's too big to keep to myself. Wow. And it's all because of the whole journey. So I, I, I don't have a single regret. And going forward, the regrets that I will have will be the regrets that I don't show up in the present moment. Isn't that interesting that when you talk to people who I guess are at the back end of their life, looking back and they're, when they're asked those questions, you know, do you have any regrets? Most of the time, it's not going to be the regrets of things that I did. It's probably the things that I didn't do that I wish that I had have done. So, you know, if you've got some advice for yourself or your younger self, irrespective of who's listening right now and what age you're at, um, embrace the now yes yes embrace the now and the other big thing i was asked this a couple of weeks ago if you could go back to day one that you start your career as a dentist what would you tell yourself and my burnout was because i was overcommitted and i wasn't taking care of myself that yeah. was the every single time so we we say when we say goodbye to people we say take care or we yeah. say take yourself you know all that kind of stuff but we don't listen to that no uh, i don't think we take very good care of ourselves so if i could go back um and and tell my younger self that uh, i would say find ways to take care of yourself um, because nobody else is going to do that for you and i think it's in that moments of so those moments of self-care and and really uh that that we are able to push back the burnout a little bit and and I guess part of that is symptomatic of the expectations you placed upon yourself to be the best at everything you did based on your formative years. But you're right. You, you're no good to anybody unless you take care of yourself first. Right? If you look at 
anytime you fly on an airplane and they do the pre-flight briefing, they'll talk about the should the oxygen mask fall from the from above, then you've got to place that on first before you place it on somebody else because you can't help anybody if you're if you're <laughs> you're devoid of oxygen, you're no good to anyone. No good to anyone. Yeah, exactly. That that is so true. We have to be a little bit selfish so that we can be selfless in our yeah. help people. Hundred percent. Now, um, in terms of then the dental practice, you're now three days a week and working on your speaking and, and coaching and doing podcasts, especially on a Sunday night. Um, I love it. <laughs> I'm curious, was it um, was it an event or was it just accumulation of just this realisation, the false sense of urgency that has kind of led you to... I guess, spread this message even further. So was there something that said, you know what, Eric, I need to be, I need to be going to talk to people. I need to be doing keynote addresses. I need to be sharing this, this message with people because you're rightly, you're a very successful dentist. You built relationships. You, as you said, you've been doing that for 20 years and had seen people from the age of two to still be, you know, 22, 23 and been with them their entire journey. What was it? Was there something specific that I guess was the catalyst for you to diversify and move into the speaking, coaching, um, uh, and I guess authorship space? Um, and what is it about that that is so enticing and so exciting for you? Yeah, it's a great question. One that I get asked all the time in my dental practice. Why? Just really basic. Why? Why are you doing this? Uh, and people love to share their fear of being up on a stage and public speaking and all of that kind of stuff. But you have a successful career. You're well-respected in your community. Why would you do this? Um, and I, I tell them it's, it's just a question of impact. If you have something, uh, if you have lessons that you've learned in your life that you think are so powerful and they can help other people, then why would you keep that to yourself? This is going to be one of those deathbed things that if I don't do this, I will regret it. Yeah. And it started ramping up during the writing process. As I was writing, I thought, boy, I, I wonder if I could start speaking to people about this. And as I've done some speaking and, and seeing what's landed, what hasn't landed and refining it, one of the favorite things that I get to do now is lead workshops for groups of about 10 to 15 leaders where we really get into this self-care and we talk about management of our energy, the inflow and the outflow that we have. How can we yep. take care of ourselves to make sure that we don't find ourselves in that burnout space, which is a constant outflow with no inflow? Um, and, and to think of everything that we do as a flow of energy, it's a way to evaluate our commitments. Is this worth the outflow of energy? Um, all of those things. But really, it comes down to, I just feel like I have a message that's in me that's big enough that needs to get out to a lot of people. And I'm still very happy being a dentist. I still enjoy it. I still love the, the journey that I get to be on with people. Um, even the hard stuff, some of my patients, you know, I've lost a lot of patients over the years, they've passed away, yeah. uh, their journey is done. Um, and I ask older people all the time about regrets and about things they wish they'd known and, 
and then I try to share those with as many people as I can. So it's just this burden that's inside me. And um, I, I love helping people on their journey. So that's, that's why I do it. Nice. And moving moving forward, what, what can you see? Uh, I know that the whole concept of win the now is not looking too far ahead. And it's not it's not the top of the mountain we're looking for. But um where where do you think this is this is gonna go? How much bigger is it gonna get? Um, you know, is this is this a calling that you can see maybe having to spend four days a week doing this and one day a week in the practice, et cetera, et cetera? Um, is this something that might be more of a full-time thing for you because it's it's such a mission what's what's your thoughts on that what's the thinking yeah so I, I would say that faith is a huge a huge part of my life um so I know that everybody's on their own journey as far as that goes but um I I'm trusting that uh whatever God wants to do with this uh is going to happen I mean I, I there's a few things on the horizon for me that that I think could make this uh eventually a full-time thing um, but the position that I'm in right now uh, is fantastic. Uh, it feels like a great balance. Yeah. Um, I have a lot of flexibility of speaking opportunities come up on days that I would normally work as long as they're scheduled out far enough. Um, then I have the flexibility to be able to do those. So I'm really in the best of both worlds, um, trying not to hold on to any outcomes too tightly. So um, putting in the reps, continuing to create the relationships, spreading the message. And when the opportunities arise, I'm, I'm ready for them. So we'll, we'll see what happens. I'm, I'm excited for uh, whatever's next. So you mentioned outcomes and not holding those too tightly. How challenging has that been, particularly, I guess, as a practice owner, where I guess success of a practice is based on outcomes? Um, what have you had to learn through that? Because I talk to this to this point with sales leaders all the time that you've got an outcome, which is the scoreboard that says at the end of the year, if you hit your sales target, you've overachieved it, great. If you've underachieved it, in many cases, you're seen as a failure, right? Um, but I say that it is, and it sounds a bit wanky, but it's it's all about the process and the progress you're making towards the outcome not necessarily the outcome. So you've got to remove yourself from the pressure of that. What have you learned through this process that has helped you in your practice, but has also helped you deal more effectively with things like burnout? Yeah, I, I think it's really important that we control the things that we can control. Mm. So uh, what can you control? You know, in sales, you can control your preparation. You can control your knowledge of your product. Uh, you can control your sales pitch. Uh, some of those things you can control. Um, you cannot control whether the other person is going to say yes or no. Mm. Uh, you don't know all the details of where they're at. Now, by doing all those other things, you can influence them. Uh, and that's very important to figure out, figure that out. But we certainly control the things that we can, even things like, our rest and recovery, uh, how we sleep, um, what we ate that morning, yeah. um, how much time we gave ourselves to get there. Um, the other things we can't control, just try to influence those. We can't control um, our, our kids and some of the behaviors that they're going to have. We can't influence it by being a good example. So I think that's really important 
Um, there are days that you can pour yourself all out there. And when I'm presenting a treatment plan to a patient, I can know that it's the absolute best thing for them. And I can try to influence their decision by showing them what good it would do, the health they're going to have from it, um, the longevity they're going to have from it, all of those things. Um, ultimately, they're on their own journey and mm -hmm. they may decide that it's a no. They might also decide that it's a not yet. Uh, so I think it's really important that, that we understand those things. And if it's if it's only if it's only yes or no, um, then we can get burnt out pretty quick. Um, but I'm I'm sure you know you know this. Everybody knows this. Who's in sales? Um, some of those sales that don't happen um, in 2023, they happen in 2024. Um, and so we just have to keep making sure we're we're planting those seeds and setting up the framework so when the timing is right, we're ready. That's it. It's uh well articulated because it's um it's it's what I believe really strongly about is you've got to have you've got to have an outcome you're shooting for. You've got to know what the end goal end goal looks like, but you have to remove the relentless focus on that end goal because you'll do your head in. Because if you're not if you're not making um you know, every single post a winner, you think, oh my, that 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 goal, that mountain seems to be getting further and further away. But if you're relentless in focusing on what you've got access to and what you can control and what you can influence, it may not be obvious, but you are making progress. And as leaders, we need to be conscious on what are the things that I'm seeing and how can I provide feedback on how you're making progress? Because that develops a level of confidence and through that, maybe improve your level of competence as well. Absolutely. Yeah. So one of the gifts that my, my dad gave me when I was, uh, when I was a early, early starting as a dentist. So he was a dentist as well. Um, I had a, a big, one of the first big treatment plans that I presented to a patient. Um, and they said, you know, the timing's just not right for this. I came into his office at the end of the day, I was defeated. I said, dad, what do I do with this? Um, he said, did you need to make that? Did, did that need to happen today? Well, no, but I, I did this and I did this and I did this and I did this. He goes, no, what you did today is you planted a seed Yeah. on the relationship. You weren't pushy. You didn't say it had to be now. You didn't do any of that. Um, he said, keep planting seeds. Just plant as many seeds as you can. And when the timing's right, the harvest is probably going to be more than you can handle. And he was right. He was right. Oh, God, you were right. <laughs> It is so so true, so so true. So, Eric, as we as we kind of wrap up, we've been getting going nearly an hour, uh, and I am conscious of time because it is probably past beer o'clock in Iowa right now. Um, for people listening to this who are trying to, I guess, um, grapple with the busyness of um, of their whether it be their professional life or their personal life or the combination of both and if people are particularly under pressure to perform and what are some key I guess takeaways or one or two key things to think about to help just build a level of awareness around this concept of let's just win the now um, and let's identify and call for what it is that false sense of urgency how can we start to make progress towards uh, you know a better a better future and, and starting to win the now what are some key things to leave people with? Yeah, so I, I think phones are probably the biggest presence killer that we have. Probably the biggest thing that takes us out of uh, out of the now. Yeah. So 
when you reach for when you're getting ready to reach for your phone, uh, just ask yourself one simple question: Why am I picking this up? If you have a valid reason for picking it up, great. You're just picking it up to make it your pacifier, uh, to make it so you don't have to deal with other things. Then maybe figure out what you have to deal with instead. So that's a huge thing. Uh, another another thing is um, just being honest with yourself about where you're at. If you are feeling some burnout, it's probably because you're not taking care of yourself. Mm. It, it'd be great to go fully take care of yourself on a two-week vacation somewhere, but you don't always have that. Um, maybe you only can, the best your schedule can do right now is 10 minutes. Okay, get outside in the sun, get a little sun on your forehead, walk around the block, move a little bit, breathe a little bit, have a little bit of quiet. Just figure out a couple of those habits that you can start working into to take care of yourself instead of just going all the time. Yeah. So I'd say those are a couple of the things. One thing I have uh, that I like to offer to people on my website is I have a free, no obligation, five day, uh, five days to knock back burnout challenge. So okay. it's an easy thing. You just put your email in there and it sends you five days worth of emails uh, that that can help. Um, it, it's a way to do some simple things to try to push back the hold on burnout. So, um, that's a couple of things I'd recommend at the start, at least. Cool. Awesome. Thank you. And, and I'll put a, uh, I'll put a link to that in the show notes. If people would like to take up that challenge and deal with, uh, make some, make some improvements around dealing with burnout. Um, fantastic. So as we wrap uh, where's the best if people want to know more about you apart from your website um, and specifically where can they get access to your book? Yeah, so books available either on my website uh, or on Amazon mm -hmm. uh, and websites kind of home based for me. It's got links to uh, my social media, all those different things on there. I'm on uh, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. Uh, all of those, all of those channels, um, and information about coaching and speaking. I'd love to have a conversation if anybody wants to keep the conversation going. Awesome, Eric. Uh, firstly, appreciate you jumping on uh, the the podcast on a Sunday evening in Iowa, even though it's a Monday morning here in Melbourne. Um, greatly appreciate you jumping on. Um, and thank you for sharing some key insights in terms of winning the now. I think from a sales leadership perspective, um, if we are thinking about modeling excellence, it starts with, as you've talked about throughout this today's episode, self-care and being really conscious of the impressions you want to create uh, because people are watching. So um, don't worry so much about what happened yesterday and don't be too concerned about what's going to happen tomorrow. Just win the now and you'll set a great example. So thank you so much for being a guest on the podcast, my friend. Thanks so much for having me. Hope you have a great week. Thank you. You too. Thank you for listening to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast. I trust the information in this episode has been helpful in your journey towards becoming exceptional. And remember, please take the time to rate the show, subscribe to the show so other people can find it. But also, if I can help you, jump on my calendar. Go to leadwithdarren.com and let's have a conversation about how I can help you along your journey to being exceptional.